Hello, Natasha. Hey, Namaste, Aditi. So, what's happening today? Wasn't the last conversation fun? Yeah, really looking forward to today's as well. So, Aditi, have you got your chai yet? Going to get myself a cup. Okay, hurry up, jaldi kar, because we have another interesting guest, and we wanna put our feet up and get ready for another chai and chat session with Aditi and Natasha. Today we have a friend uh, who I met after almost 40 years. Uh, yeah, I'm giving away our ages here, but it's been amazing to meet you and have you on today. So Anusha, so wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Uh, I remember you as a little girl from Loreto Convent, but you've had so many milestones since then, and you have achieved so much. So, how do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you, Natasha. That's a wonderful introduction in itself. Um, so I, I'm Dr. Anusha Shrivastav. I grew up in New Delhi, India, and have lived in the U.S. since the mid '90s. I've worked as a journalist uh, in three different countries for over 20 years, and now work at Columbia University in the city of New York. I'm a graduate of Columbia's School of Journalism, uh, and when I left journalism, I moved to the School of Journalism to work in career services there. And after two years, I moved to the Department of Statistics, where I am the director for career development and alumni relations. So this is my second career. My first being a business journalist at uh, different places, including Toronto, New Delhi, and New York. Uh, my latest stint as a journalist was a credit markets reporter at the Wall Street Journal, and I covered credit markets during the credit crisis. I had a lot of fun doing it, and then decided to transition to a different career. So that I think is a fair introduction, and I'm happy to chat with all of you. Oh my God! So many feathers in your hat. <laughs> Before we get into deeper subjects, given that our pod, the name of our podcast is Ch Chai and Chat, how do you take your tea? <laughs> Now, I am really sorry to disappoint you, but I am not a chai drinker. What? I'm actually, <laughs> I'm a coffee drinker. I have always drunk coffee. Uh, as a you know, so I, you're gonna have a laugh, but I grew up drinking Bon Vita with milk because I could never drink plain white milk. We did that too. Uh -huh. <laughs> When I got married, uh, everyone started teasing me, and they said, you know, you need to grow up. You can't keep drinking Bon Vita. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, okay, fine, and I started putting a spoon of Nescafe in my white milk, and I drank Nescafe. Coffee, and that's all I drank. I never really drank tea, um, and even now I appreciate a good cup of tea, but it has to be something special. And I'll drink just the liquor. I am not someone who will drink, you know, two or three types of two, two or three cups of tea all day. None of that. Once in a while, if there's some nice fancy tea, I'll have that and I'll enjoy it. But on a daily basis, I drink coffee, not tea. So it's coffee, as in Nescafe with milk, or is it? <laughs> What are you drinking? Are you drinking your? Uh, I actually finished my cup of tea. It's it's eight, almost eight o'clock here, so <laughs> well past uh, tea time. 
Well past your bedtime. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Okay. All right. So, uh, Anusha, tell us about, you said you want to talk about some work-related and work-life balance, motherhood, parenthood, jobs. What affects you as an Indian woman who was born in India but now live in America? So, what what's been happening in your life when you consider the two influences in your life? Sure. Um, what I would love to focus on is the fact that I uh, grew up in India. I was a third generation working woman in my family. My mom was a high school English teacher. She's retired now. Uh, my grandmother worked throughout her life and in fact, uh, you know, studied abroad. She got a second master's degree in Sweden way back in the 1950s. Wow. So, you know, growing up, uh, I always knew I would work full time. There was absolutely no question about that. Um, and I worked at All India Radio early in life. That's where I met you, Natasha, in fact. Yes, uh, that's right. It's many years ago. <laughs> yes, I trained under you for a program called Rowing Microphone. And then I was often the DJ for a program called In the Groove. Yes, <laughs> I loved In the Groove. Oh you were funny. <laughs> I loved In the Groove, yeah. yes. And I enjoyed writing. So there were many times when I read essays that I had written uh, at All India Radio. That love for writing, reading, uh, being a radio journalist continued. So when I was doing my bachelor's at uh, Hindu College at Delhi University, I studied political science, went on to do my master's at uh, the School of International Studies uh, at uh, JNU in New Delhi, and started working full-time as a broadcast journalist for Television 18, TV 18. Uh, I was a business journalist remained a business journalist uh, when I got married uh, and uh, my husband and I moved to New York. Uh, I was finishing my PhD and I had just had a baby. So when I arrived here, I was on an H-4 visa. I wasn't allowed to work at that time and found myself in a situation that I had never been in my entire life, which was I couldn't work because of my visa. But I had always been working. So the idea that my husband would get up in the morning and go to work and I would be looking after the baby was not something that was palatable to me. And the quickest way out uh, in terms of getting back to the career that I wanted was to go back to school. So I got a second master's at Columbia's journalism school. Um, and after I graduated, I still didn't have the right visa to work in the US. So we actually moved to Canada to Toronto where I got a job with the Globe and Mail and started working there uh, because we were permanent residents. While I was working there, uh, we managed to get a green card and I moved back to New York. And throughout this time, uh, I have to say that the only reason I managed to do all of this was because of my mom, because I had a very young child and our experience with nannies was had not been great and we were concerned. My mom offered to come and help because she herself had worked all her life. So she knew how tough it is for a young mother to manage with mm. a child. You know, she had raised three children. My dad was in the armed forces. He's a helicopter pilot in the Indian Air Force. Uh, she had moved from city to city with my dad, uh, though mainly we lived in Delhi. 
she knew how reliant she had to be on full-time servants and part-time servants to be able to get to work. So the entire juggle that she had faced helped her, um, you know, come to the conclusion that she would help me in every way that she could. And I think that really helped. And the reason I focus on that is it's only an Indian mom who basically took sabbatical from work, left Delhi and my dad in Delhi and came to help me wherever I was, whether I was in New York City or in Toronto. And eventually, of course, all of this worked out. Um, I had my green card. I could work in the U.S. She went back to teaching at her school and so on. But I think that the way that we were raised in terms of helping each other within the family really helped and played a huge part in my being able to do all the things that I have done. And I hope that when it's my turn and my daughter, who I tease uh, because she's only 12, I tell her, you know, you should have lots of children and I'll look after them and she rolls her <laughs> eyes. But, you know, it's something that I understand. Uh, my mom helped me out in terms of getting my feet, getting me back on my feet and my career here. Uh, I hope that I'm able to help my daughter. And I think it's important for us as uh, women to support each other because only women can really understand the struggle and the juggle of balancing home and work. Uh, you know, my husband has been very supportive, has helped in many, many ways. But there are some things that only my mom could help me with. And the time that I was mentioning to you when I was home with my son, uh, trying to figure out how to get back to work, I was in this fantastic community in New York, uh, on Roosevelt Island, where I was part of a mother and baby group. And at that time, we were five moms with little babies, you know, ranging in age five months to, I think, six or seven months. It, it, they were all similar age group. We were all from different countries, completely different background. We had uh, Dawn from Minnesota. We had Juja from Hungary. Meg was from the Netherlands. Tracy was from Kenya. And I was, of course, from New Delhi, India. So if you met us, you would wonder what we had in common. And there wasn't that much, right? The only thing we had in common was we were stuck at home with our babies. But thankfully, we spoke the same language. We started meeting each other regularly and formed a huge support group without even realizing it. We were all first-time mothers in a country that was new to us, or at least in a city that was new to us in Dawn's case. And the support that we provided each other because we understood the frustration of being sleep-deprived, of trying to figure out what the next steps in our lives were going to be. We were excited when our babies rolled over for the first time. We were even excited when we found a grape in their diaper, right? A full grape. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the mothers in us are just, just reaching out to you. Like, yes, we've been there. <laughs> right? Those are things that only young mothers can understand and appreciate. First time mothers. I don't think that the second time round I was as excited about what I found in a diaper. <laughs> Aditi, I remember you talking about the color of the poop in the diaper. Did I really? 
Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, I have yes. I have drawn a, drawn a complete blank. All I remember though, I, I have to say, this is funny because I remember how incredibly lonely it is as a, yes. you know, it is a, uh, because, uh, you know, it, uh, when they say that it takes a village to raise a child, I think it, we miss that right. here. And and then we have to form our villages. They are not create. They are not automatically given to us like it is in India. So uh, we have to form our villages. So I'm really, I, I love the fact that you re, you know this was a cross cultural village, village that you created. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. And you know, we are still friends. We are still connected. It's been twenty years. Mm. We're still friends. Uh, you know, Dawn and I uh, meet as often as we can because she's still in New York City. So once in a while, you know, we'll meet for lunch or dinner, and our sons know each other. They play uh, online video games together, so they're still connected. And uh, with the others, I haven't met them since, but you know, we hope that one day we will all meet. But we're connected on Facebook and we chat and so on. Mm. So yes, we did create this little village. and um, it was hugely helpful so anyone listening to this if you are a first time mom and you're stuck and you feel like your whole life has changed which it does when you have your first child reach out and meet other moms and talk to them because you're probably going through something very similar to what they are mm-hmm. and it is hugely helpful to talk to people who are going through a similar experience Yeah and I think now it's a little easier to reach out because of all the social media outlets that are available when we had our babies we had to look for people around like just like you I used to meet mothers at the park and I had a similar experience I had a polish family that i knew a hungarian family a gujarati family and we would try to do things together you know but yes you're right so what i'm hearing from you is that support yep very important when you come to this country and also when you have children more you know more important when you have children and you were lucky enough to get it from your own indian family as well as you created your own family too exactly and i think you know when we were going through all of this we didn't know what it meant you know the implication of having created this uh, what we are calling a support group that's not what we called it at that time it was just a mother and baby group right how has being in america changed you how has it helped you uh, become who you are and why are you still connected to your roots what does it give you um i i never ever rejected being an indian i didn't leave india because i didn't like india right i was not i i was not in any rush to give up my roots at all mm-hmm. it just so happened that apoor got this opportunity in new york and one fine day came home he used to be with um, a firm called mckinsey at that time uh and came home and said you know do you want to move to new york i have an opportunity there and i said yeah sure because i had actually worked at a summer camp in vermont when i was uh, in my third year in college and i had really enjoyed that experience i had traveled uh, around the us and you know really um, loved a lot of things about being in the us so you know it became sort of like yeah sure we were young uh, we didn't have children we didn't have property at that time there was nothing to hold us back uh, we were in our early 20s so we land up in new york and we enjoyed being here there was no 
grand plan to stay on. There was no decision that, you know, we will never go back to India. Nothing of the sort. We were just two young people in New York City enjoying ourselves. And fast forward all these years, we find ourselves here. And we tried to keep a balance between our Indian identity and being U.S. citizens. Uh, we tried in a lot of ways to make sure that our children also understand our roots. We have not forced them to learn anything that is, you know, so-called Indian. Um, but my uh, children, both of them, enjoy Indian food. My daughter takes Bharatanatyam lessons. Uh, I started learning. I used to learn as a child and then, you know, her teacher is a fantastic guru. So I started taking lessons again as well. I take every opportunity to wear Indian clothes. I love wearing saris. Um, so for every Saja meeting, um, I will definitely wear Indian clothes. So there's a, there's a balance. I enjoy being the working woman that I am in the U.S., but I never gave up being an Indian. I think we're all we're all in the same, all trying to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we've become that way just by living in this country. And I'm glad to know that there's no conflict in your life. The, the question that I had was, again, coming back to a little bit about your, your first love seems to be writing. How uh, do you keep up with it? Do you miss it? So I never entirely gave up writing. While I was at the Wall Street Journal, I used to blog uh, for uh, something called The Juggle, which was, again was about work-life balance. And I had before that written a column for uh, a magazine that um, TV18 had launched in the US called Mantram. And I used to write a parenting column for them. Now... Um, I still blog for multiple sites. I write about parenting. I write about work-life balance. Uh, I write for sites like, uh, there's a site called Trading Spouse that I write for. Another one called Conversai. Uh, another one called Reset. And I hope that when it's time for me to retire, I can just continue writing because it's it's something that I have always done. I don't see it as work. I see it as something that I'm passionate about. I have been a storyteller all my life. Mm. And that's how I see myself. So I talk to people. I listen to people. I want to write stories. And all my writing is basically storytelling. So whenever we think about retirement, whenever my husband and I talk about retirement, I know that I, I have no shortage of uh, things to do because I will always have stories to tell, people to meet and uh, sites to write for. Yeah, I love that you mentioned storytelling because that's exactly what Aditi and I are trying to do with this podcast to just bring out these stories of uh, amazing women like you who have Indian roots and have settled here and have blossomed so beautifully. Thank and you. we definitely have uh, stories to tell and they're not often told. So awesome, beautiful. I would like to think that the storytelling is a little part of India because I think we have, you know, that's something that we have learned all our lives is that, you know, <laughs> telling stories is so much a, a sort of an Indian uh, uh, I guess tradition. Tradition, right, right. Tradition. So, yeah, I agree right, with that. Right. Um, I have one question. What does 
being Indian mean to you? And then I'm gonna I'm gonna carry that on and say, what does being American mean to you? Ah, so there you think go. of it as both ways. <laughs> So I will tell you when uh, whenever the conversation has come up as to would you go back to India would you live in India uh, what do you like the most about the US I think about it and the thing that I appreciated the most about being in the US and being American is political correctness I have valued that more than anything else because growing up in India especially in New Delhi I met people from all over the country and I found that there was not much value for political correctness. I didn't appreciate the fact that people made jokes about people from different parts of the country. Uh being from the forces background, my father being a air force pilot and my mom being a high school teacher, we were raised to believe that we were Indian. we were not raised to believe that we were from x part of the country and you know x community and this caste and you know mm. but not a lot of people felt that way and my answer always when people asked you know where are you from or you know how do you identify and so on was to say i'm an indian when my father signed up to be in the air force and my brother my younger brother is a, my youngest brother is a fighter pilot in the indian air force they f- they were ready to fight for the country they were ready to fight for india they were not fighting for a, a state or a caste or a religion and it's very difficult to explain that to people who don't value it i'm sure that things have changed in india and people are more politically correct i hope they are it is the one thing that i really appreciated about being in the us that yes we were all different but also politically correct and willing to respect each other. Mm. The other thing that I think that is really important is the way women were given respect here, are given respect here. I have never ever felt unsafe in the US. This is one thing that I hated in New Delhi. When I commuted to the university, I lived in South Delhi and I went Uh, to Delhi University and in the mornings we would go by the U special but the return journey was awful i remember that anusha i was there yep, yep. yeah going in those buses treated yes being in those buses and i'm sure all of that has changed and improved i hope <laughs> i hope right yes but i can say with some certainty that when the me too movement started in the US I didn't even have to say it because I know that every woman in India has been harassed in some way or the other. Respect for women is very rare. And I know a lot of people deny it and they will say things like oh we treat our mothers very well and oh we treat our sisters very well. Well, if you were growing up in the 80s in New Delhi, let me tell you if you were in a DTC bus There was no respect for women. Men misbehaved. Absolutely. Everyone looked the other way. Right? Yes. And most of the time, if you were being harassed, you kept quiet because if you made a scene, there was no one to help you. Yes. And there was fear attached to that too that maybe you'd get followed home or who knows. And a certain what? amount of guilt that perhaps it's something that you have a certain amount of guilt because it seemed like 
it it was almost like you had invited it mm-hmm. in some way yeah. you know and so so that that was always there yeah so you always kept quiet i find and we learned to live with it almost yeah yeah mm. and a lot of people deny it but i am i'd be the first one to say look women were not treated well whereas in the us i have walked home past midnight i have never felt scared mm. maybe i'm wrong maybe i i know bad things happen everywhere but there was a, there's a huge difference in the respect that women are treated with over here and i really appreciate it so did the me too movement surprise you here no i mean i fully understand um i i know that men who are in positions of power often misbehave with women that's fine it happens and it's very brave of all of these women to come up and you know explain what they went through and so on but it is not as pervasive as what it was in india right yeah i would what think we, so yeah mm. when i'm in the subway in new york city or i'm traveling throughout the country i'm not constantly scared and watching out thinking that somebody or the other is going to misbehave with me that was not the case in india i think there was a difference in the northern states in india in terms of how women were treated mm-hmm. uh compared to what i experienced in places like mumbai mm-hmm. pune i and i hate to generalize sure. uh, but that they they it was still quite safe for us uh, as women to ro- to roam around in in uh, take the trains in india and uh, i would love to know from our listeners if that is still the case because it's been ages since i have uh, spent any time in mumbai and i've actually i've never been to calcutta but i've heard calcutta is quite safe as well so and i'd love to know if things in delhi have improved because what anusha is describing is exactly what i went through too in delhi mm. yep yeah yeah thank oh, you, you know, i so love much. india and i go yeah. back every year yeah. and i want my children to love india and you know i have never rejected india i've never never rejected the fact that i'm indian i never uh, i didn't even try to change my accent nothing i'm very <laughs> comfortable in my skin i'm very happy being who i am i'm a very proud indian and um, i'm also a very proud american i love uh, celebrating the 4th of july i love the fireworks this year was the first time that we didn't have it and mm. i really missed it uh, but you know i celebrate diwali i have uh, friends over and we love indian food and we do all of that i have never ever rejected the indian part of me and i've ne- i and i've embraced being an american and i think most of us are happiest when we do that because there is no point rejecting who we are and yet because we live here we want to live in an integrated society this was a wonderful conversation thank you so much anusha this, um i really appreciated you taking the time to come and talk with us and um good luck in all your future work and everything that you plan to do um and we'd love to have you back Sure I yeah. really enjoyed chatting with uh, Yeah and keep telling your stories we want to hear more stories we want to know what's going on in life in so many things like all our kids are grown up now and we want to know like I am so curious to see how my children are going to 
choose their careers, their partners, their, you know, it's kind of like a report card for me, like, did I do a good enough job? Yeah. <laughs> so keeping the balance for them too, like, you know, their, their struggle is something different, but I love to focus on us and our issues, our struggles and our successes. So Anusha, you've been so successful. We love it. Thank you so much, and so have both of you. I mean, this is uh, this is really wonderful to be able to chat with you, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Good fun. Bye.